Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we are back with another double up of the fifth and last NRL podcast this week. Brock on school holidays now, mate, and I'm back in isolation with a case of the Curtis Rona. How good? Certainly uh, got the time. Well, I've obviously got the time because I'm locked up and I can't go to work. Um, <clears throat> but good weekend, Brock's head. Uh, yeah, it's a good weekend, wet weekend. But, um, yeah, all positive. And for everybody out there, if you're affected again by this terrible weather, hope you're safe, hope you're doing well, and fingers crossed. Um, it's over as soon as possible and people can get back on their feet really, really hard. Um, for some people, particularly, this is the third or fourth time it's happened in the last 18 months. It's been absolutely crazy. I uh, just had some photos sent to me before for some people at work um, out there turning off some power and trying to work with some people and uh, get some power back on in some areas that are lucky enough to have been missed um, as a precaution, but it's just insane. So obviously, uh, as always, we, we hope everyone's doing well. And if you are affected, um, hopefully you've got some people around you to support you. <clears throat> Uh, harsh times and certainly played a factor in the football over the weekend but what we're going to do this week we'll review the games from the weekend there's a couple of talking points we won't go through everything some things have been done to death already we've got the origin teams that have just come out um, and then we'll be back later in the week to preview the shortened round and obviously do our tips um, and go through any more news and then after the weekend's shortened games we'll either be back Sunday night or Monday to review that shortened round and preview Origin 3 in depth. So plenty of content coming up in the next week. Um, and I'll apologise now if I cough or clear my throat or do what I'm going to do, but that's the Curtis Rainer. It is what it is. So brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com.au. Visit the website. I've downloaded the app today in box. I forgot to tell you, I picked another winner yesterday. Chanel Harris-DeVita. Uh, he was very, very good for the Warriors, but had a pop on him, added 130 to the kitty, and we are now up to $687.50 for the Bears of Hope. Happy days. So, lucky to get two in a row now with Matty Burton in the Origin game and uh, Chanel Harris to beat us. So, hopefully, he can keep building <clears throat> on that the next few weeks and crack that thousand mark and go a bit further before the finals. But let's jump in and review those games first. Uh, Melbourne up against Manly, 36 30. They were pretty poor, let's be honest. Um, 50 missed tackles, super disconnected. But, uh, again, for some who listen, they're probably going to go, oh, here he goes again. But I think people are reading a little bit too much into it. You know, people going, oh, they're falling apart or what are they going to do? Like They're missing all their edge players at the moment. And Felice was out and Munster was out. Let's not get it twisted. Marion Seve, Grant Anderson, who's not even contracted. These guys are not the regular edge players for Melbourne. The general effort stuff and things that Bellamy was disappointed with, 100%. But if you literally take away both your edges besides Jerome Hughes, it's not going to be pretty. Um, they're going to get most of these guys back, hopefully at the back end of the year. 
I think if you're Melbourne, your focus is obviously you want to get healthy. You're missing 10 guys of your top 30. You've got to navigate another week of origin, and you just want to finish in the top four and give yourself the best hope. I'm not optimistic in terms of saying that even at their best, they'll beat Penrith. I think there's Penrith in absolute daylight at the moment. But some of the stuff I read the other day about that's falling apart or how bad are they going, well, you know, I think anyone would struggle if you've got blokes playing on your edges that are definitely not part of your top seven eight. Yeah, definitely. And that's this time of the year, it always tests, doesn't it? It tests both your depth and just some resilience in, in players because, you're, yeah, you've not only got to sometimes play origin, you've got to back up, even though I don't think this week, you know, it was backing up. It certainly was for these Manly and Melbourne players and probably guys that played Friday night having to fly back from Perth for, from a Sunday night game into a... Thursday or a Friday match after a long flight, that certainly would have would have taken a toll. Uh, but yeah, look, Manly. It was also a game that Manly needed to win a lot more than Melbourne as well. So at home, uh, I, I just think Melbourne would have been bitterly disappointed with their defence. Oh, who puts on that purple jersey? They yeah, they would have been disappointed conceding that many points. But you know, like you said, there is reasons for that. And you've outlined those reasons, and you know taking that into account, Manly were able to get the jump on them and and get the job done. It probably makes up for that that game that they coughed up against the Cowboys in their previous matchup at Brookvale. Uh, we we ran into Manly's reserve grade yesterday and chatting to a few of their coaches afterwards. They they did say that you know Des was pretty peeved about uh, the, you know the late flurry of points again, but. You know, they were just super happy to get a win over Melbourne. A win over Melbourne is, is good at you know, any time of the year and in any game of football. 100%. I, again, I'll put it out here right now because probably some Manly fans sitting there squirming after what I've said, but your team was outstanding. Kieran Foran wound about the clock, but again, smart by him. He knew what he was going up against in Seve, Anderson, and Hughes was the only regular edge player that was there. They got him very interested. I think Foran has certainly wound back the clock this year. I think he's not getting as much praise as he probably deserves, and I know they've got salary cap pressure, but I don't know if it was the right decision to let him go just yet. I, I know they're probably hamstrung a little bit, and I think the Titans have certainly shown that their decision was wrong to go with the guys they've gone with and bringing him in next year. If he turns up with that sort of form, he'll be outstanding. But Foran was smart, and so was Manly. Uh, Cherry Evans kicked very, very well, controlled things, and Foran just went after those inexperienced guys on the edge, and he pulled them apart. There's no other way um, to put it, and... Obviously, like you said, Cooler, I think that's one of his best games in first grade. We've got to remember he's only a kid, so there's some invaluable experience. Guys like him, Tui Pilotu, certainly brought something different. Uh, but like I said, for Melbourne, I guess you just want to navigate this period because Munster, Coates, Remus Smith, Felice Cafusi, four guys, all that will return, will be back on those edges, which will tighten things up. At some point, Felice Cafusi, obviously, like we said last week, um, awkward circumstances or sad circumstances with his father ill of health. They don't know when they're going to get him back, but he's obviously a huge player in terms of what they do with their edge defense, kick pressuring halves, etc., and and tying things down. And, um, you know, those those other bodies that are there, Liera, I'm not sure what happened to him. He was missing. He's usually part of the 17. And Welch, they're still not clear. I'm still hearing that they're not sold that he's going to miss the whole season, but whether they get him back is a different story, but Manly were great. They needed the win. Certainly one that makes up for the loss uh, against 
the Cowboys, and, and it keeps them in the hunt there. Because realistically, if they would have got that one plus this, they'd be on nine wins right now. They'd be feeling much better about themselves coming to a bit of a harder period. Exactly. Yeah. Manly now roll into the bye, so mm. it'd be good for them. Hundred percent. And I think uh, for yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne just needs some true sparking to get through this little origin period. Well, I guess for them, with Munster coming up clear with those scans, their biggest thing is this last game is that him and Harry and that all get through healthy. They cannot afford to lose any more bodies. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they'd be disappointed, Bellamy, like you said. Just general effort. Win or loss wasn't the issue. Like you said, it's just the effort when you put that jersey on. And it was also Brandon Smith's 100th. I thought he had a really good game considering. Um, but certainly not what they would have expected in milestone games where they usually turn up for one another. Yeah, agree. But we move on from that one. Knights, Titans, um, the poor old Titans, just it's the same old, same old every week. They got absolutely shredded defensively again. Their right defensive edge obviously was a tactic or a target for Newcastle. They went there all day. It wasn't smooth at all times, but it certainly paid over the, the long part of the game. Milford was able to do what he felt and create with Tex Hoy, who started a bit rusty but worked his way into it and had a good game. Edric Lee bagged five tries. Dom Young on the other side got a triple um, you know, and I thought their forward pack as a whole, now they've got some troops back, they're doing much better. Clemmer's been outstanding all year. Barnett on his returns, obviously, been doing a job, but like you said, Safidi back was better in, in the next couple of weeks. I think they're talking that Braley will be available along with Bradman Best. So they're, they've had a harsh run with injuries as well. I'm not going to defend everything because the way they started to where they've got to, uh, obviously... You know, they shouldn't have fallen that far off a perch, but no one's had more injuries of a month or longer than Newcastle, so the bug certainly bit. Um, but they look like they're shaping up for a stronger end of the year. But for the Titans, it just, I guess, keeps going from bad to worse. And now the word is they want to fire their coach, which just absolutely flabbergasts me after last year. You give him a three-year extension. Um, and now what? You're just going to throw him under the bus when I know for a fact that all the recruitment decisions weren't his. Looking a little bit lost though. I, like he's, he's looking without answers. Oh, I don't like a lot of the comms communication that's coming out of the Titans at the moment. That really concerns me. How they're playing really concerns me. Uh, Newcastle, the Titans just never never put Newcastle under any pressure at all. No, they kept making simple errors. They get stripped far too easily in defence. They've got ill discipline. And they've got no defensive resilience at all. I've spoken about this for weeks, months. While ever they're conceding, you know, four or more than four tries a game, they're they're never going to win consistently in the NRL. Newcastle, that was a good performance. That was the kill they needed. I I really thought that this would be the all-in game for the Gold Coast. I thought, well, you know, if ever ever they're going to come up for a game in a must-win situation, they're bottom of the ladder. I thought, well, this, this is it. This is the one. And they were inept, and Newcastle were, yeah, cutthroat, killer, all that stuff. And so they should be because the Titans were well off the pace, and they deserved to be thumped the way that they were. Newcastle, we're not, we're not really going to get a read on Newcastle until they come up against some stiff opposition. Yeah, I think we sort of knew from the start of the year and we said it ourselves, losing your halfback in the off-season is not really ideal and pretty much set themselves back and then Braley getting injured long-term again. I, I didn't really have high hopes but still think there's enough quality on the roster to do well 
when they're all in the field. So, um, you know, having those long-term injuries, getting players back now, add Braley in, add Best in. I think the back end of the year, they should push to sort of get somewhere near the bottom of the eight. I think it's too late to get in the eight. But if anything, after all the noise and all the disappointment, they should be looking to finish as strong as possible as they get healthy. Yeah, um, but for the Titans, I think I'm just more surprised again that you bring him in, um, you give that long-term deal, you make some decisions again after signing Fogarty, and then they announce Sexton not long after is going to be a halfback. They let him go. They don't address Hooker. They spend a lot of money in non-spine positions, and I just find it more concerning that, again, within less than 12 months of signing the coach long-term, and I agree with you, it looks like he's struggling. Surely at some point after you've gone through coaches and I think undermined a couple of them, in all honesty, some people at the club have to take some responsibility. Like Melbourne Inga's part of recruitment and culture. I, yeah, I, I, I get all that. Yeah. But that's that's not going to help them on field. I know. At this point in time, that... It, <coughs> the performances are certainly going to have to turn around. They're going to have to for him to retain his, his job because he looks at the moment without answers and he's talking like he doesn't have answers. Yeah. He actually said that. Like, we've got so much we need to address and so much we need to improve. They, they look like a team at the moment that uh, are a little bit lost and they're playing without direction. And I've got no doubt he's given them direction. He's, he, he certainly can coach. He proved that throughout his time in the Super League. But, you know, does he have the answers for right now? That That's going to be the question. And, uh, you know, how long organisationally are the Titans prepared to put up with performances that they're ditching out at the moment because uh, these these performances are some of the worst I've, I've ever seen from a Titans team. Well, my question uh, will be similar to the other teams who can't seem to even find a coach at the moment if they get rid of Holbrook. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Who, who are you getting? Who are you, who are you going to? Yeah. <clears throat> and my point again is for two years there you've seen... I think, I think they, need, they need a hard-ass. I think they need like a, a Flanagan would be ideal for the Titans, I think. They, they need a hard-ass. They need someone that's going to get up there and rule with an iron fist. Uh, and I feel, you know, I just don't feel... That, that's not Holbrook. That's not his personality. That's not his... That's not the type of coach that he is. He's very articulate and intelligent. And looks to me at the moment like they're... They're just not up to playing that style of football. They don't have the discipline or defensive resilience to play... play a style of football that would suit his coaching. You know, they're just not getting the fundamental stuff right. Well, I think, again, are they willing to hand that control over because they had that in Neil Henry and they undermined him for tickets and jerseys with Jared Hayne and that fell apart and then they backed Ash Taylor and when Garth Brennan went to them with some findings and some things that he had problems with, Meninga and the club didn't support him. So now within 12 months, if they sack Holbrook, if they yeah, want to get... Right. You can't get point the finger at the coach. That's my point. Oh, and I've said that. Oh, I said that earlier in the year that... You know, this defensive mindset and lack of resilience is, is is outlasted three or four coaches. It's not a coaching issue. No. Nah. And again, at what point do you give someone time, you know, or you give that control? I know you don't want to give complete control, but if the decision, you know, in particular, Meninga was touting they went and got Fafita, who's going to be off contract, and, you know, they've... CEO is the one who comes out and announces the Fogarty situation. Like, if they're little bits and pieces that are out of control, surely... You know, if unless they know, if they do something on the sly there, or they can talk to a Flanagan or talk to a big name, who they think can come and rectify the situation, I think they'd have to consider keeping him at least until next year. I think it'd be crazy to suddenly go from a long-term extension to less than one season being out the door again. 
because yeah. it's another one of these clubs, unfortunately, and I don't think they're quite in that category just yet. But three coaches in a short space of time, what's to say again that a Serraldo or any of these guys that are going to have opportunities are going to look at the Gold Coast as any more stable than some of the other options that are there at the moment? Yeah, that's true. Knowing that, you know, 12 months ago, this guy got you to the finals and within 12 months later, he could be heading out the door. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to see him with Foreign coming in the door. Hopefully, Jaden Campbell healthy. They need to make a decision, obviously, on what the best position is for AJ Brimson. If that's the case, you know, Campbell, I don't know where he fits because I think, one, when he's there, he, he's really, really good in that position. And Brimson, obviously, is free when he plays there. But I think Foreign will certainly bring an element. But, my God, they, they need a number nine. A number nine is a critical aspect. And I think the Fafita situation, they'd probably admit now at the time, was a good idea. But that sort of money you could probably get two really good quality first graders rather than splurging just on one edge player. But again, who they put that into or what direction they head, that's up to the club. Yeah. So That was my point when they signed him. I didn't have an issue with them spending that money because they, they weren't attracting anyone else. Yeah. So but It's quite clear they need a nine. Yeah, well, again, the market opens up. Quite clear they need you know, another half. And they've got that in foreign, which I think was a good signing. But really, they need, they need a nine desperately. Well, I think the other thing they pr- pretty much threw out there, which also confused me, if you're Justin Holbrook and you've gone to him and said, we want you to play Sexton, Brimson, Campbell and Clark, you've pretty much, to me, thrown the door open for some you know, losses or some mistakes during the year because you've pretty much said, we're going with this young spine. You can't quit on it within one season. Um, they've committed to Sexton, they committed to Thomas Weaver who played in the New South Wales under-19s game and you push Fogarty out the door along with Campbell and Brimson, you've pretty much committed yourself to a young spine. So I, I also don't see how in that area they can point the finger just at him. Like It's first grade and like you say, it's hard to learn at first grade. So they, they surely they would have expected to have some ups and downs. I know probably not to this extent with the quality they've got in their forward pack and their back line's pretty solid. But when you commit to a bunch of guys that have less than 50 games in the NRL, you're going to expect some hiccups. So they need to decide, are they going to stick with Sexton, stay the course and grow this thing, or do they have to go in the market like they did for a foreign, get another veteran in one of those key positions to pair up with a Brimson and a Sexton and get more support around them? But in terms of the coach, like I said, uh, the the big one for me, and we've said it all along, I know all these assistants are hot shit and they've all got their names being thrown out there. I know Flanagan doesn't have a clean pass, but I still think he's far and away the best option for anyone that's looking for a coach. Agree. Uh, but we move on from that one. Uh, Panthers, Roosters, controversial for some. Uh, things are a little bit heated on our discussion page, particularly between Panthers and Roosters fans about decisions both ways. But uh, for the Roosters, I guess this one is disappointing because that was certainly one of their best performances of the year. It's one of those games where if they manage to jag that one without Kiri, without Jared Hargraves and Lodge, obviously on his way in, that would have been a big one to help them push for the bottom end of that eight. Uh, but they end up coming out on the wrong side of that one. What was your thoughts on some of those decisions? Oh, I attended this one live. I, the Verils one was just a disgrace. That was horrible. I, I don't even know how they come up with that. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, some of, some of the other ones, I certainly felt as though Penrith got the rub, but that, that happens. But there were certainly some key ones there that they... They definitely got wrong. What did you think? Yeah, I think a lot of people were saying they were bothered by the offsides, um, particularly Roosters fans thinking it should have gone a little bit more both ways without an angle. I, just, I, I think both teams were standing offside, like watching it live. Both teams were standing offside. 
and I just felt like it was he sort of picked and choose when he wanted to find a penalty. Yeah. And a lot of it was based on crowd noise. Like I felt like the crowd got penalised a lot of penalties the other night. Like being there live and actually seeing both sides were, were offside. Like and that happens. They in games like that, particularly when there was there was so much ball in play, there was a lot of periods of cycling the other night. Which was good, like it was really good to watch. And then you see him just pick a penalty every now and then. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, either pick all of them or stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit yeah, like what I've said to you before. Does. My pet hate on that one is the, um, you know, the obstructing on kick returns when they go escort. I'm like, well, there's fucking 30 in a game and you blow one. Mm. So either blow all of them or make an open slather. Or same as the yeah. roll, roll ball. You know, they could pick a million roll balls, but they'll pick one in a game. Yeah. And it's the moment. <laughs> Probably the other one for me um, that bothered a lot of people. It sort of bothered me. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, Angus Crichton, like, he didn't need to touch Stephen Crichton, but to let it go another two or three plays and then go backwards for the Simbin, I just... Yeah, that one... Well, yeah, I don't have a problem with them letting it go for that play or even the play after, but I think you should. you then should pull it up. Once it becomes pretty clear that they're not actually going to score in the immediate that immediate period of time, they should go back if, they, if they're going to penalise it and sim bid him. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I could see that one as a bit 50-50, but I'm watching on the replay, I'm like, yeah, I didn't yeah, think... I think they're, they're, yeah, there's no real clarity around how long that advantage period goes, is there? No, and we see, we see ones like that that are a bit grey, they aren't quite inside the 20 or it's not clear cut they're going to score and they didn't off the next few players and I'm just sort of like, well, you know, were they guaranteed to score there? Like, that's another one where it can go either way. I've, yeah, I know some fans, probably there was one the other way where I can agree where some of the, <clears throat> uh, you know, Panther fans thought they were hard done by. Probably the, the one that stood out for me, when Manu popped that ball out, I thought he juggled it and there was Penrith hands on it. So that could have been called a knock-on for the trial where Verrill's burrowed in. Yeah. Um, it was obviously let go. But again, between the fans and our page, always appreciate a good bit of banter. Uh, as, as long as it's constructive, but yeah, obviously a lot of people were bothered by that. I thought Trent Robertson articulated it pretty well. Yeah, I didn't completely agree when he said, you know, he sort of danced around that last pit saying if it, it, it being a, a Roosters jersey, but I think the the bigger moments certainly hurt them more in terms of some of the calls. So I, I'd agree with that, but um, I think for them, it's one of those ones you've got to look at and take the positives. You've got to build from that. That's easily their best defensive effort I think in the year in the conditions I know the numbers and we say this sometimes that numbers don't quantify everything 57 misses doesn't justify the scramble effort and the amount of online effort Penrith had 53 of their own I thought both teams given the conditions it's it's hard scrambled well and defended well and really went after each other I think that's the best physical performance I've seen out of the Roosters and again that's without Jared that's without Lodge Toki had one of his best games. Joey, obviously, linking up with Tedesco in the middle. was really effective in those conditions. They kind of played off each other. Different role for Walker. I, I thought he handled it pretty well, and he did his job. Like He kicked pretty well off the back foot. He pushed for that try. Um, <clears throat> long term, is that the option? I don't know, because you look I at... I thought Sam, that was one of Sam Walker's best games in first grade. His kicking game kept the minute in the first half. Yeah. He's outstanding. Um, I think the bigger question is if long-term Kiri is out. I like Manu at six, but Manu's got to get some vision outside the middle part of the field. Because when he plays there, like he's a great guy when he's got the ball in his hands, but it's all sort of things happen off him. You know, He bounces off players, he offloads, he bounces, but there's not a whole lot of structure to what he does. I'm not saying it has to be structured, but he has to also learn to sort of look not just what's in front of him and, and play what's around him. His vision 
at the moment is a little bit narrow when he gets the football. If he, if he ends up moving full-time in one of those halves roles, obviously need to add a kick in there somewhere. He doesn't have to do the majority of the kicking, and he probably yeah. has to get a little bit more lateral. You can't just, you know, tuck it and wing it every single time you touch the football. But him and Tedesco clearly bouncing off each other um, had a great effect. But for Penrith, I think the big one in those conditions is Zappi Corosio. He uh, had a couple of little subtleties again around the ruck and just some decisions there. And Dylan Edwards is always very, very good. Fisher Harris was good. I thought one thing that sort of bothered me, and I thought it brought more pressure to Penrith, thought they left Kenny and the bench forwards on for too long. He, he sat Laota after his first stint for a very long time in Fisher Harris, and I thought they were under the pump and sort of needed those guys. Like, Fish can play close to 70 minutes. I'm not saying that's what it needed. And Laota easily 40, 45, but... Um, I thought there was a big gap in between those two getting back on the field where the Roosters still win in that middle part. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, I guess from here, when does Jared come back? The inclusion of Lodge and can they surge from here and build off that performance? They're going to have to. They're, they're, gonna, they're now under pressure, aren't they, in terms of they need results. They're, they need results, so... They're now obviously one out of the eight, and their next few are certainly winnable. They've got the Dragons off the origin turnaround, only three days. Then they head into Newcastle, who's under them, and then they've got Manly, which is a direct effect on their result in the eight. So I guess you'd probably say that the Dragons in the Manly game, these next three are must-win, because if they beat Newcastle or under them, then they beat two that are directly involved in that battle for the eight. That'll really set them up for the back end of the year. Because then they head into a tougher run against the Broncos, the Cowboys, Souths at the end, and the Tigers. So sandwiched in between all that, uh, plus the Melbourne Storm, are teams directly above them. 100%. So, um, and for Penrith, again, not taking anything away from them. Um, It's daylight at the moment, and they've become that team like at Melbourne after a couple of years now, where the difference between their best and their worst is not a whole lot, and they still find a way to win. Yeah. Um, Good night for them, and find a way at home <clears throat> but moving on Sharks versus the Dogs this was just ugly it was awesome honestly to see that field get shredded and, and look a bit old school very surprised about the quality of ball movement uh, early on to be honest I think the Sharks maybe pushed the envelope a little too much but at times both teams made it look like it wasn't that wet uh, but I think the biggest difference in this sort of weather as we all know is how you truck it up the middle and how you set, start, and kick, and I thought Cronulla, as the game went on further, they were just better out of the backfield. Their back three, their back five in general were outstanding. Their set starts, their starting position on the field, their set finishes. I just thought that slowly sort of chewed up the Bulldogs, who showed a hell of a lot of resilience, but particularly the second half, Cronulla tightened up a bit. I think the biggest thing they did was correct their kicking game. I think Nico Hines early on, he had an absolute Barry Crocker, but second half, it was clearly talked about to use the weather to their advantage. They were kicking earlier off the back of those good starting positions. They were turning dogs around. They were just pinning them inside their 20 and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, that was, it was crazy watching the game. Hey? Like, the conditions were mental. Like, I was watching that game going, geez, how are we going to play tomorrow? Like, we, we played yesterday on Sunday. That was a Saturday game. Mm. I was watching that going, oh, my God, like, there's no way we're going to get on the field because the rain just didn't relent. It rained nah. all day yesterday. It's raining again now. It's midday on Monday now. Man, it's just... just I, I can't believe how poorly Bankwest 
drained. Like, it did just get that much water that it it couldn't drain. Is the drainage poor? Like, it's the newest stadium we've got in the NRL, and it that's got to be concerning. The the lack of the lack of drainage. Like, you look at Penrith on Friday night, and I was there. It was hammering down the whole night at Penrith, and it, it didn't even look like it had any any surface water on it. Uh, for those that watched our game yesterday on, on New South Wales Rugby League TV, it was it same again. The field looked outstanding at uh, Blacktown. The, the drainage there was, was unbelievable. What? There's got to be an issue with Bank West because it did that last year in the Penrith Bulldogs game, if you can remember. I think it was maybe round two or round three last year where it flooded and it just held a whole heap of surface water. So that's something that they need to address at Bank West because that, realistically, in the NRL, we shouldn't be playing on fields like that. I know, I know it was a bit old school, but... It certainly dowed the contest, and like you said, I, you summed it up pretty well. The the back three just you know did a better job for Cronulla. I thought their kicking game was probably a little bit better, and but that was certainly a game. The Bulldogs were were in; they competed, they had their chances, but really they, they didn't look like creating any tries. A lot of their tries yeah. came off kicks and rubbers, and yeah, it looked like they were they were hoping for an error or hoping for you know a, a bit of luck from a kick, which often is the case in games like that with poor weather. So yeah, um, it was yeah good to see the Bulldogs compete, but it was a very important win for the Sharks. A very important win. And I said it again. This period been very fruitful. Um, only one player out with Origin and some great news I'll talk about it now but we'll talk about the teams obviously later but for them Brad Fittler did not select Jack Whiten in the team but put him at 18 which means Nico Hines is also available this week when they play Melbourne without their Origin players so that is a direct effect in the fact that they've jagged a couple of wins the last few weeks they've moved into the top four and if they beat Melbourne this week they'll be equal with Melbourne in third so it's one of those ones again where you're going to get a team who are vulnerable with injury and players going back in. So if you grab that result, it pushes further. So not only, we know they're probably locked into the top eight, but it really helps their top four chances. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think they got better as the game went on. Thought early on, they were a little bit loose for the conditions and pushed it. Um, but yeah, back five had five times as many kick return meters. Um, they all contributed 100 plus. And then the kicking game just got better. But for the Bulldogs, and I said it a few weeks ago, some people... I don't know if they were surprised or not. I didn't get a lot of feedback, but I still really think that Marshall King's underrated. I really thought other clubs would have been interested. I obviously had my Penrith theory, but um, I thought he was outstanding in the conditions. He worked the ruck well, he kicked well, he probed, and I, I really think, again, for, for a lot of what the Dolphins have done, some things have been questionable. I think there I was really surprised there wasn't more interested in him. Yeah, that, that's a fair comment. Um, but... I guess we move on from that one. Let's see if they can take advantage this week against Melbourne. Cowboys-Broncos, I thought this was an entertaining game, but I think the Cowboys showed again that round two wasn't a fluke and, um, you know, they're certainly a force to be reckoned with. 40 to 26, uh, you know, I think they're just a little bit better defensively in particular. They're very resilient and I think they're better in the spine than the Broncos at this point in time. Uh, Any questions that anyone had, over their recruitment, me included. I guess a lot of people had some question marks that they were maybe a little bit too heavy in the halves and how they fit those spine positions in. Uh, it's worked out great. He's got the best out of Robson. You know, he's a threat out of dummy half, passing, playing short, and his running game. That opens things up for the edges. 
the halves would kick really well. Chad unlocks did, and, and Drinkwater certainly took, I guess, you know, the threat of those around him and Peyton, um, you know, saying that one's his position, not six on board, and after being out of the side for a few weeks at the start of the year, he's coming in and played the best footy of his career. Yeah. Agree, mate. Yeah, agree. Look, the Cowboys, they're the real deal, definitely. And they've been, outside of Penrith, I think they've been the most consistent team all year. Their defence has been great. Uh, also, their offensive output, they, they don't have any trouble scoring points, do they? We saw that at the back end of the Manly game. No. So not only have they got uh, their defence, you know, dialed in and, and nice and tight, but they've also got the ability to put a lot of points on, which means that they can, you know, they can go two way. They're, they're not just going to play one style of footy which is going to be a huge advantage for them come the finals time if they're able to produce this type of footy in that arena, which I think is the only remaining question. Because they're going to be not guaranteed top four, but you'd think now they're going to finish in the top four, mm. which is going to place them at a, at a huge advantage come finals time. They're going to get two bites of the cherry. They're going to play at least in a week two final. The, the, only, the only questions they need to answer now is can they do it against big teams on the big stage in September because if they can they're going to compete they competed with Penrith in that game you know here a month or two back so they just need to improve and, and get themselves on to, into a position where they're, they're going to have to throw out the stumps against some of these better, better sides late in the year Brisbane they, they're you know I thought they were they were okay in this game they've got some injury concerns but they, they just didn't give themselves an opportunity. They consistently shot themselves in the foot. The discipline wasn't great. They didn't complete really well. And the Cowboys just punished them during those periods where their discipline was poor. And it, it really didn't allow them a chance to, to compete or to win the game. And Yeah, that's 2-0, and isn't it? Uh, the Cowboys over the Broncos this year. Yeah, well done to the Cowboys. Well, well done. They're, um, they're playing yeah, really, really good footy. Chad Townsend, he's been an absolute godsend for them just the steering wheel to, to get them around the park and yeah it did and, and, and this is a, this is probably the thing that we we keep saying about young halves that don't quit on them <clears throat> they, they need they need time and they need they help need time in first grade yeah of course they need help and he's help. got help he would have got that help if they would have kept him and brought Reynolds in but mm. they went against that decision luckily for them I think they've got a really good player in ma'am I thought he was still good um, Reynolds looked a bit gun-shy, but any any moments or opportunities for Mam there, he's a run threat. They obviously tried to target him. I, I certainly don't think he lacks the aggression in defence. He's obviously going to miss some tackles, but you can cop that with what he supplies. I think he's going to be a good player. But I still yeah. think they quit on Dearden too early. Um, and him, him with Chad, you know, they've picked up a guy who's 21 now in the Origin squad, and I think they got him for a steal because he was sort of, you know, looked at as tainted meat after that, but... Peyton made that decision and moved on Clifford and people had questions because he had Clifford playing pretty well at the back end of last year. I think those questions are gone now. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, and any of the talk about Peyton going to the Tigers, you'd have to have, no offence, absolute rocks in your head regardless of money and offers and the connection to Tim Sheens to leave where he is right now. He took some gambles. He made a few harsh calls last year. He's promoted these kids. He's made a few veteran signings. And right now, all those decisions are coming up trumps. They've got some good kids pushing through. They won in the flag. They do a really good job with their pathways and promoting. Oh, that, there's no way, you know, board-wise, club-wise, situation-wise, roster-wise, everything that you could ever surely consider coming to the Tigers. I know they've got some kids coming through, but it's been shown in the past about the instability. 
where he is when they get things right, the Cowboys is a really good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, rocks in his head. I think they would extend. They'll extend him. They'll shore that up. They'll take away any hope or doubt, you know, around that situation. And even if there was any, I'm sure if he sat down realistically and looked at all the things I just said, all signs point to being a cowboy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for them in this game, uh, I think, like you said before, the real question is really, can they beat Penrith? They've already dusted the Storm. They've beaten the Broncos twice. Um, you know, they've beaten. Parramatta convincingly, all those teams that are sort of considered, they haven't played the, the Sharks yet. They've got them after Origin, a short turnaround. Oh, sorry, after the bye. Um, so, actually, no, it is after Origin. So there you go. That's why I was talking about the Sharks again. The Sharks get Melbourne this week, depleted, and then after a two-day turnaround with only having Talakai and Origin, they'll get the Cowboys. So they're in a really good situation there to kind of go bang, bang against those two teams directly ahead of them, the top four. So, um, you know, real good opportunity for them. But, yeah, I think the Cowboys have shown it's, it's everybody but Penrith. And that night, was it no Tamalola or no Felt, or was it just no Felt, maybe? Against Penrith? Yeah, I think there was no... Well, Felt just wasn't picked, was he? No, nah, he was injured. He's only just come back. Well, I think Tamalola was out, too. I'm not saying that wins in the game, but it wasn't their best 17. No, I'm not sure Felt was injured. I think, I just think he wasn't picking him. He was picking the hammer. No, nah, he hurt his knee. <laughs> Okay. That's why he brought him back on the weekend and dropped Hammer. I'm looking at the team list now. There was no Felt and there was no Tamalola. Okay. So, again, I'm not saying that that makes a difference. Penrith, obviously, quality. but Tamalola I, I think... certainly makes a difference. I think Hammer and, Hammer and Felt, they both bring their positives and negatives. Honestly, right now, to me, Hammer's not my team. Drinkwater has more strings to his bow at fullback. The other two are as good of finishers and better in yardage. Tualagi, etc. I think Hamiso... It's all well and good. I mean, he's got that speed. He's got moments, but I definitely don't think he's got enough to his game to be a fullback, and he's not tough enough in yardage yet. So what's wrong with a year or two of development? He's only 19 or 20. Yeah. You know, they use him in that bench role. Um, and I think the other thing they've proved to themselves why the window's really open, they lost Lukey, who's a big part of what they do. Um, and there was someone else off the top of my head that I forgot about. Um, but they've shown that they've got depth in their squad, which is obviously another big part of pushing for a competition. So I think for this year and next year in particular, before people come really sniffing around, they've proved that their window's open. Reuben Cotter's the other one who's missing. Yeah. So, you know, you put Cotter and Lukey back in this rotation, that their window, I think, this year and next year in particular, why you've got these guys on contract and people start sniffing around. I think Penrith next year obviously lose some significant players, but if the Cowboys don't get it done this year, I think... If I'm Todd Payton from what I've seen this year, next year certainly they should be pushing. Yeah, I agree. You're going to get Penrith without Arpy, you know, missing a couple more forwards, a little bit more stripped of depth. You're going to have Melbourne in a situation where they move on some veteran forwards and going to be blooding some kids. Parramatta's moving on some veterans. I think they're really going to be the one, hopefully, healthy, happy and everyone motivated to continue what they're building that'll move into a window. Yeah. But, again, Brisbane, um, they've got themselves in a sort of curious position now. It's obviously definitely been a good year, but heavy origin representation. You've obviously got Reynolds, who's feeling the heat a little bit at the moment. He's had a couple of injuries. They needed him up to play on the weekend. Um, and I guess from a games perspective, they've got two teams breathing down their neck now. They're sort of falling back into that, that bundle. They've still got a few wins up their sleeves, but this week they're going to be without their origin players. Um, they play... The Dragons, so they'll be missing Hunt. So I think for them, 
it's probably going to be a bit easier to patch up for Hunt. Hunt's obviously a huge part of their team. But on the flip side, you're talking about Carrigan, Cobbo, a few other guys missing. So that's an important game. And then the back end of the year, they've got to play Parramatta, they've got to play the Roosters, the Storm, the Eels, the Dragons, sort of teams directly around them again. So I think they'll fall, like we said, in the bottom of the eight. Um, but I think top four now might be a bit of a stretch for the Broncos. Yeah, I think so too, mate. So let's see, I guess, the health of Reynolds and a few of those other guys from Origin, how they finish the back end of the year. But, yeah, I, I guess for them, yeah, that, those wins in particular against those teams they're going to be coming up against might see them settle, you know, probably in a... In Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In an elimination spot, regardless, it's a lot of progress from where they were, um, and certainly improvement. Yeah, definitely. South versus the Eels, thirty to twelve. Uh, I think. I didn't see this. I didn't see this game. Well, I'll tell you what. I was very happy for Demetrio because I'm sick of hearing the shit that he can't coach, and it's another person after Bennett. Um, they were outstanding. It was the best game by their pack. The presence of Latrell and the ease that brought again, like I've talked about before, I guess, you know, when, when you're missing a half and you're missing a one, you can pretty much just load up wherever Cody Walker's going. But having him back in their shift shapes, Cody Walker looks so much more confident. He summed things up really well. Ilias, he forced a couple of dropouts. He looked a lot more confident with Latrell at the back. And, and Latrell was like a locomotive. He just sort of built his way into the game. He was a little bit quiet to start with, but... Threw a couple of nice passes, got physical in the end. Absolutely flatline Reed Marnie. He was perfect with the boot. Uh, but their forward pack was probably the biggest one for me. They've been hot and cold, but Arrow had his best game. Tom Burgess had a real bee in his bonnet. Kalama has been great all year, but um, certainly I think you could see the difference with their attack with having someone there that you have to account for. Because let's be honest, Nick Arima out the back of shape, Taff out the back of shape, you're not really probably paying as much mind to what they can do in terms of the run-pass option. When Luttrell is there playing out the back of shape, you certainly have to pay a lot more attention to him than what you do those other two, which opens up your halves, which opens up your edges. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it freed up Cook as well, who, like I said, I think him and Cody in particular have been carrying the burden, but he just got to focus on running on the night, and he pushed through on a nice try where Luttrell busted through. Um, dished it up for Ilias, who summed it up nicely and put Cook in a space, but it's just a real knock-on effect, I think, from him freeing up the spine in particular and the forward pack doing a good job. And Even defensively, they've been a bit checkered there. They come up with a few really nice reads and jam plays, one that resulted in a try for Alex Johnston. Um, and more than anything, like I said, probably happy for a guy like Demetrio. He's been copping a lot, but I don't think anyone else, again, would do well if they were missing their seven from last year and their number one. There's been two Two guys missing out of that spine. One's obviously not coming back, but the other one that's been missing is one of the best players in the game. Well, yeah, we, we know how much Latrell gives them, don't we? 100%. So, uh, are we surprised that their form sort of correlates with his return? I, I don't think we should be. He's proven that time and time again. He's makes a significant impact on that team. Mm, so if he can stay healthy, and I was, I was really happy. But he's one of the best, what, five players in the comp? 
in his best form, hundred percent. Yeah, and so I think, like I said, there's a flow and effect. Significant impact with him being out. Yeah, and there's a flow and effect, like I said, to all areas of your game. Your attacking shape is not as threatening with Taff or Nickerim at the back. They're not going to individually dice you up and knock three guys over or create numbers or attract as much attention. You see Latrell at the back of shape, you can't just pay attention to Cody Walker. You can't just pay attention to the centre or the lead. Like, there's a lot more question marks in edge defenders' heads when you've got Latrell running out the back of shape. Yeah. Um, and again, I think their pack has been hot and cold. That was certainly their best effort. So, big win. Again, one that they wouldn't be expecting. And it's another one of these ones where you look at Parramatta and go, this is why you're not going to be in the top four. This is why people question whether you can win the comp. And if you go into that bottom half and you have to win your way through, you just can't trust them. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of coaches for a long time, but the drums are starting to beat again around Arthur. This is season number nine. They've sort of, you know, I think returned the faith, and I've agreed with that after they put him in some bad positions and he rebuilt things and got it on track, but... This is sort of, to me, as we said in the off-season, their last sort of window with what's coming and what's going and what they're bringing in. So they're maybe going to be in a position if this year doesn't end that well or they miss the top four and they go out early, well, they, they might reconsider. And this is another one of those jobs where I talk again where I look at a guy like Flanagan and I think while these other clubs are not looking at him, it's a huge mistake because if one of these jobs becomes available, I think a club, club like them would be smart enough to look at Shane Flanagan. And again, I'm not trying to put pressure on Arthur, but at some point... I think that's the job he wants. I wouldn't blame him. That's the job I'd want too. He was at Parramatta, I think, before he went to the Roosters. And I, I remember he was... When I was playing flag there, he was he was coaching at the Roosters, but he'd, he'd been at Parramatta prior to that, I think, Flanagan. Well, so you're losing... He's got links there, and they could do far worse than, than him. They're probably looking for... You know, a guy like him, but is, is his approach too similar to Arthur's? I think he's got more strings to his bow than Arthur. Okay. I think he's shown, like, again, the layers of what he can do at the Sharks. I think Arthur is obviously coaching the team. Um, I think the board's got a lot more to do with recruitment, retention, and the development side of things. I don't know if he has his fingers in as much as that as what Arthur did at the Sharks, whether that's partly the club, which I think we know and we've said it before. There's obviously been some issues between the board um, and him on some recruitment decisions. But again, if they brought in somebody like that, you'd have to not hand over complete control, but you have to factor that in. And the other side is people instantly, again, link a Serraldo to a job like that. This is the reason why if they do go with one of those coaches or you do go with a rookie coach, if you're one of those guys, you're better off waiting. Because if one of those jobs does become available, that's a much better situation than the Tigers or the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's fair. But um, yeah, interesting one just... I'm only bringing that up because it's coming up on 10 years there. So at some point, they're obviously going to have to make a hard decision. Wow. Yeah. Long stint. Mm. And it's been a successful stint, like I said, the last couple of years. But exiting this window, if they feel, you know, all right, this year's over. We're losing some of these key players. We've still got a pretty good spine. Um, You know, they've got some big decisions next year with Moses and Brown both having player options. Maybe they choose to head another direction. Yeah. So, interesting, but... Another missed opportunity. I thought their forward pack laid a pretty good platform, but I thought the spine was disappointing. And at what point, you know, can you keep making excuses? I think I think Brown's still plenty young enough, but Moses has played a lot of football now. Gutherson, this is probably the reason again why I think he's a great player, but this is why I don't consider him a game breaker. I wouldn't have paid him the sort of money that they were talking eight, nine hundred thousand. And 
I like Marnie, um, but again, with the Bulldogs, what you've paid for what you're getting, are you happy with that? Well, I don't know. Time will tell, but we move on from that one. Warriors-Tigers, this was awesome to watch. I know some people were disappointed and thought a lot of penalties, a lot of the rubber green went their way. Like With that crowd, with that setup, I, you know, if one or two calls you think were a bit harsh, I'm not really surprised. I think everything was always going to head their way um, with the emotion of the day and the crowd, but their entrance onto the field and the crowad noise and their energy all day, they were outstanding. That was yeah, so good to watch. Me in on this. I was obviously at footy all day yesterday myself, but uh, yeah, I got to see I got to see a little bit of it. Uh, just in, yeah, a few people had it on their phones. I was on a few screens around, but yeah, obviously it wasn't it wasn't taking my full attention yesterday. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to watch a few few replays later on today, so you'll have to lead it here. But I think I I certainly made them. I thought they were the, the best of the round. The Warriors just surety winning over there and playing back in front of that crowd was a good occasion. Yeah, well, best thing, I guess, is they played for 80. Um, it wasn't the prettiest performance, but they did all the little sort of things that you'd hope they'd do when things are harsh or when you're down on troops or you just dig in for the day. And they were a little bit <clears throat> shaky in attack. They had lots of opportunities, lots of possession in the first half. Johnson got deep into the line a few times through some specky passes that were knocked down. There was five or six times where... You know, kicks ricocheted and, you know, they kept coming up with the ball, which was good. But there was almost this tension that they just couldn't score. Um, they were denied one where Wade Egan looked like he got over from dummy half. And then finally, the seal was broken. Tohu Harris, um, who's, you know, been there a long time. One of the guys that's moved over there for the right reasons and trying to make a difference. He crashed over and it was sort of from there felt like, you know, the pressure went off. A couple of minutes later, their kick chase and their kick... Game was pretty good all day. A tap back for Chanel Harris Devita, who come in and played fullback off the bench with Walsh out. He was outstanding. I think it's really sad that he's moving on. I hope it's only for twelve months because I think he's got way too much to offer to not be playing rugby league. And I'm sure the circumstances have contributed to the reasons why he's leaving. But honestly, I said this a few weeks ago. If he was hitting the market right now, and I'm Melbourne next year, and you know a monster moves on, or if I'm the Dolphins and I look for a half or some of these clubs that are in between, I really think he's a good player. But I think probably showed yesterday the Warriors that if he was to be there, you know, for the next 12 months and the Walsh thing didn't work out or his circumstances led to him leaving, he was fantastic at fullback. Um, he had a really good game. Dallin and Montoya, their set starts all day. They're back three. Um, well, he impressed me at, um, when we had the opposed against Samoa. Yeah, you said watching him there, there was some quality yeah, touches. Yeah, just his speed, the ability just to move across, move across the ground, and yeah, it's, it really, really surprised me. Watch, like being out there on the field and watching him being behind the defensive line. It was, it was impressive. He's going to be a big loss for him. Mm, I think the best thing, like I said, he's still young. Hopefully, the time off will refresh him, and he'll find his love again after a few years on the road and some hard circumstances, but. I think it would be a shame if he wasn't to return. I think he's way too talented to quit this young. I agree. Um, but overall, Brock, they were just they were real consistent. They stuck at it for the 80. They really kicked. I saw some people bagging out Johnson. Again. I thought Johnson, considering the shit that he's copped and the circumstances that you don't understand, being away from family, just stuck to a plan. They you know, bombed and bashed. They keep putting him inside 20. They turned him around. Um, just a real controlled performance. 
he ran the football enough. He chalked up 100 metres. He made 25 tackles. He didn't miss any. I thought he just gave them the steering wheel approach they really needed, and um, it helped out Volkman. He, he had some moments. He made a couple of errors, but I think Johnson gave them exactly what was required on the day. And, you know, for Harris DeVita, like I said, to play in that position and play the way he did, the set starts they got. Egan was really, really good. Um, and then Fenua Blake, who had COVID and was separated from the group all week, he come on and his impact in his short stint was outstanding as well. So I think for them, great win, great reward for their fans. Good to be home. Hopefully some big efforts there to finish off the year. It hasn't been a pretty few years. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care that they got more settled housing or situation. If you were taken away from your family, your friends, your normality for the last couple of years, you move your kid to three or four different schools, you're just on the road constantly, 60-plus games away from home. I think it's an absolute cop-out for anyone to say that they should, you know, just suck it up and get on with it. They haven't been able to recruit. They've got people that won't commit to going back there. If you don't think they've had it hard, you need to give yourself a triple. Um, And the most important thing here, Cameron George this week saw some good stuff. They've announced that the Indigenous All-Stars and Maori All-Stars will be held in New Zealand. Um, They're obviously trying to get extra games to re-establish the footprint because it's not going to be overnight. There's teams that are affected by, I think it's the Women's World Cup is here in Australia next year. There's about an eight-week period where they get the right to the stadium. So they're talking to five or six clubs to try and get those games relocated if they're interested in New Zealand to try and have 18 games to saturate the calendar next year. So that on top of re-establishing their pathways, hopefully getting back into the 18s, the 20s, New South Wales Cup, you know, pathways there to build their players up. It's, it's a long-term thing, but they're really, really pushing hard. They've hit the ground running, and I really hope they turn things around. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, again, is just the coach, what, where they go from here. I, I'll be really interested. I know a lot of people are saying, well, they've got nothing to lose with the Walkers. I think you could give them a, a, a crack if you wanted to, but I, my biggest thing is how long would you commit to it for? Because it's, you know, they're, they're right yeah, at the bottom. It seems like a, a bit of a novelty, doesn't it? Well, I think a lot of, a lot of what they do is obviously stuff you don't teach in development. Yeah, everyone's sort of like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Like, give them a job. But, like, what does that look like? How long do they get? Yeah. What, what, are, we, what are we judging as successful? Are they just going to play that one style or can they coach a different way? Because mm, I, I, I love, like, all this chat about, oh, you know, they've got their style and this is what, how they do things. Okay, what if it doesn't work? And that's have the they thing. got another style they can go to, or they just get that? That's it. And I, I have no. I've said it before. You know, that's what frustrates me as a, as a coach, like that's coaching at the level below that. You sort of go, well, I, I understand what they do, and I, you know, I give them credit for the success they've had. No doubt about that. But there's an element of adaptability you need as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing, like you said, if you're going to go off the beaten path and teach them certain things, you have to commit a certain time frame to it because it's also, yeah. like I said, yeah, that's what I'm saying. it's for, committing to your junior pathways. perspective as well, like you, you want them to be able to get in and have the time to be successful yeah, all the time to fail. To yeah. say, okay, this didn't work. I've heard Benji and a few others say, just give them 12 months. I'm like, well, 12 months wouldn't be long enough because yeah. that's just one off-season with one group. And you're, going, coaching, you're coaching players who have been systemized and made into robots to a degree over a period of time and you're also in a period at the moment where we've got you know this is the first full year of second tier football that we're going to have had in the last three yeah so a lot of the guys don't have the engine to play that style of footy no and this is my point moving forward so they're at ground zero if you are going to bring them in you'd need to commit to it with your whole setup which you are re-establishing 
So I can understand people bringing up their names, but if you're going to do it, you'd want to go pretty in-depth with them in an interview and a process about, okay, if we do this for two or three years and literally do this the whole way through our pathway, what does it look like? Yeah. And how do we commit to it? It's not as simple as players going, oh, I just give them 12 months with a group. It's like, well, you know, you can't just go in there right now and go, hey, Bunty Afar, who basically doesn't offload, doesn't pass, doesn't have any of those strings to his bow, who just comes off the back fence. I want you to, you know, keep the ball alive and hold it in one hand and we want extra movement and go side to side and turn wingers under and centers under and keep the ball in play. But when they've got it the other way, they were trying to give away quicker rucks and not wrestle and get the ball back. You know, it was all that time of possession and like, there's a lot of facets to it. And yeah, short kickoffs and short dropouts, etc. But you really need to look at the larger picture if you're going to do it. And you'd have to commit minimum, I think, two to three years. It can't just be 12 months with one group. Yeah. Because again, in pathways, you bring them in for 12 months, then what are you doing? You're going to commit to it for 12 months and then suddenly go, all right, we need to completely change our focus in pathways, which would change the profile of what play you're looking at, at what position. Like, There's so much more to it than just going, oh, here you go, have 12 months. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying it can't work, but you'd really need to commit to it if you're going to do it. It's not as simple as just throwing them a job. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, they were, it w- wasn't pretty, but more importantly, they gave their fans what they deserved. And I, I recommend, even if you don't watch it the whole game, at least watch the full version and watch the entrance and the energy. Like, it was great to see. Um, obviously, a couple of fans were really, really happy they were home because there was a couple of streakers again. Uh, there was a really funny video, I think, on the NRL roast of a guy that ran out and the security guard absolutely poleaxed him. Good hit. Um, but, yeah, from the Tigers' perspective, it's, it's been a hard start on the flip for Brett Kamali. Uh, three losses in a row, a couple of 30-point beat-ups. I thought their effort was actually pretty good. The first half, they were really on the back foot. They absorbed a lot, but when you absorb that much, it's, it's going to open up at some point. And, you know, Hastings did his best to lead. They had a reshuffle in the spine. They tried Brooks at nine for a little bit and got Dewey on the field in the mix, and Marmolo was big on return, no surprise. But, yeah, they they never really looked likely, uh, to be honest. And the biggest thing I think that would be impressive for Stacey Jones was the fact that they didn't concede the last few minutes. They defended three or four sets back-to-back, and the only points they conceded was a penalty goal. Yeah. So uh, for the Tigers, you know, probably the one upside again, finishing the year. Getting some players in, uh, young Polar, who was born in New Zealand, and then late Austin Dowse, they were both New Zealand-born, got their chance to debut. Um, so that, that was good for them, but yeah, it was a hard day to come in and play in that environment, in that situation. And I think now, bar the buyer, they are technically last in the competition. They're equal with the Titans, but on for and against, I think the Tigers are officially last. Super. So I don't know how the rest of the year plays out. They've got the Eels this week, which is not a great one to get during the origin period because I think the only player they're missing is Junior Paulo. So they've pretty much got no excuses. Um, and they should be seething after the loss they had to them early in the year. So I, I, I don't know if things are going to get any better for para, uh, for the Tigers this week. But uh, let's hope the Warriors have a positive finish to the season. And the last game we've got here to finish us off is the Dragons Raiders, which the conditions were horrendous. Uh, the two Raiders fans, I don't know who you are. You probably listen to sports podcasts. I don't know if you listen to ours, but the guys that stood right on top of the hill where the windsock is from the beach just getting fucking pizzled the whole day. Full credit to you, blokes. You're a legend. They were up there drinking cans on their Pat Malone. It was outstanding. But the wind and the rain in this one, it was just one of those games to where you got to take your moments. And the Dragons were very resilient. 
I thought they got teed off on in yardage, but they just kept working their way. Benny Hunt really controlled things, kicked, had a tough day, but, you know, fought through. He was in doubt all week, but had a big influence on the result. Um, and the Raiders certainly had the chances late in the second half, but just couldn't come up with a win. And Jack, he, he was good on return. He tried his ass off. He set up one of the tries. Um, he unfortunately contributed one from a dropout where he tapped it back to a Monet to score, and he had a lot of errors in those conditions, which is which is hard, but I think this is another one where the Raiders probably had a few more chances, but the conditions didn't help. But the ending of the game was controversial. A lot of people were angry, myself included, because the Dragons with a six-again rule just laid on the ruck. Um, and the fact that you can't get a penalty goal because of six-agains... Oh, don't get me started on six-agains, please. I hate the rule. I want it gone. There needs to be some discretion there to referee to just get well, you... Like, well, how, 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 do we, how do we create rules which allow a team to get an advantage out of giving away a deliberate penalty at the end of the game? How, well, how, do, we, how, do, we, how do we ever think that was good? You know what I didn't get, though? When, when Hunt... And we've got these stupid rules in one area of the field... Yeah. ...inside four, and then we've got different rules for... It's just ridiculous... It is so ridiculous. Get rid of it. Surely, though. Like, yesterday, we had a game where, like in our game, where we, we could not get one. We couldn't get a penalty inside 40. We couldn't get a set restart. And the other mob were, get, were getting all of them. Like, it just it, yeah, it just creates frustration, man. A lot of frustration. Mm. And when you're seeing the same thing, one, one you know, you're seeing it penalised in, in one respect and then not penalised in another... And even, even across games, I think it creates far more discretional decisions. <laughs> the, referees, the referees have got a tough job as it is. We're asking them to make more decisions and to police more. We should be asking them to do less. Yeah, well, I, this one for the me... The they do, the more likely they are to get those, the, those decisions correct. Yeah, this one just hurt watching because I thought, again, I thought they had enough opportunity, but the Dragons are very tough. But for it to finish that how, way... How does the referee not have... Like, so he's, the referee's got discretion in the Penrith game to allow advantage to apply for three, four, five tackles. This is what I mean. But and then he, blew a penalty. he doesn't have discretion to blow a straight-arm penalty when it's a two-point game at the end, a match society yes. offence. So it's like, ridiculous. For me right there, I'm like, how does he not have the ability, like the other game, to just go, bang, that's taken the piss, we're going to Golden Point. Yeah. which is what should have happened. So I didn't watch Ricky's press conference, but apparently I'm, I'm sure he unleashed. The only quote I saw is they'll ring me tomorrow and apologise. But, you know, again, it doesn't help them. Um, can't defend the way they started the year. They've obviously been really, really good the last few weeks, but it's one of these situations, again, where, you know, th- these sort of moments hurt. They're, they're big moments, and it might cost them at the back end of the year. They're now, along with the Roosters, sort of sitting in that real grey area where they need to start winning and probably get a couple of results um, but yeah I think for the Dragons again very resilient but yeah I, I think the right thing would have been a penalty there and that game go to golden point but in those conditions yeah. I thought both teams were tough um, it, it was hard to really take much out of it it was absolutely diabolical but you look at Canberra now they've got the bye this week so they can regroup a little bit then they come in after Origin they play Melbourne in Melbourne they play the Warriors. They play the Titans. So, again, teams under them that they should probably be beating. Then they play the Panthers. They play the Dragons again, Newcastle and Manly and the Tigers. So the draw is pretty friendly, and they've got two or three that are sort of around them, but they're in that position now where there's no more room for error. They might be able to lose the Penrith game. They might be able to lose the Melbourne game, but they have to beat those teams under them, and more importantly... 
those two teams that are directly around that area. That, that I think there's going to be a lot of games in the back end here between you know your Manly, your Raiders, your Dragons, where these teams do play each other, where it's going to have a direct correlation with who gets those last two spots. Yeah. But, yeah, Tarpany was great. Uh, I thought Elliot, Horsberg, like Jack's effort was good, but, yeah, he had some... Some critical errors, but for the Dragons, it was just a tough effort all around. But Hunt, again, was probably the real standout. So they've put themselves, again, in a good spot, considering uh, everyone's opinion. But them and the Rabbitohs for now, along with Manly, all on eight uh, in those seven and eight positions. Parramatta and the Broncos, only one win ahead there. And then that leading group with the Sharks playing Melbourne this week will probably go a little bit further clear, so... Yeah, for the Raiders and the Roosters in 10th and 11th on seven wins apiece, uh, the next few weeks are going to be pretty critical. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that was a crucial win for the Dragons, crucial. Mm. And this week, again, you get the Broncos uh, minus Hunt, which, you know, that's obviously a huge loss for them. He's a big part of what they do. But if the other team's missing Carrigan, Cobbo, Reynolds is a little bit underdone, etc. Um, you know, you, this is one of your best opportunities to get a team that's directly ahead of you. If they beat them, it's literally going to push the Broncos right down into that log jam. Like the Broncos will be in that group that are fighting to be in the eight. Yes. Yeah. Um, South similar deal. They get Newcastle. Probably a hard week for them where you play a team that's under you. You're going to have Cody. You're going to have Latrell as he's ruled himself out. I reckon that's awesome by him what he's done to just take attention away from that situation and pay a bit of faith in the club that spent some extra money helping him with his rehab. I think that was the right thing to do. Um, but for them, yeah, they're obviously going to lose Murray, um, Cook. So hopefully Mamazoulos and Arrow, if you go in, a couple of guys in their pack can step up again because if they can find a way to beat Newcastle that week, that, that this would be a big, big, big week. And there's the potential that them and the Dragons jump even with Brisbane, and if the Eels beat the Tigers, Brisbane could literally be stuck in that log jam with Manly and all those guys and right on the fringe. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be an interesting week when I look at it from that perspective. And then after that, the buyers that I hate and the two points that throws the ladder out, the ladder will truly reflect where it is and we'll get to have a chat the week after about the run home, who's in good shape, who's not, who's got injuries, you know, the form, and we'll, we'll get a real picture of how things are heading. Yeah. Uh, but any other talking points here? I guess I covered most of them here. Um, I had the situation. Just for the origin, origin teams? Yeah, we'll have a quick chat about that. Probably one, only one other thing I wanted to bring up that sort of bothered me. I only read this in the paper today. The way they do the world rankings has made it so Australia and New Zealand are on the same side of the draw for the World Cup. Like, how do you fuck that up? Is that if they both go through as... They, they can't play in the final. I think they've said the way they've rated them, and I don't like. I know we've had COVID and that, but surely you would have set it up regardless to make sure they're nah, not. It'd have to be if they both win their pool. Oh, I think the way. Surely if they, surely if they one loses and one, that'd actually put them on the opposite side of the draw, wouldn't it? Oh, I haven't looked at it, but I just read something saying basically they, you know, they can't play in the final. I was like, how does that work? Yeah, I don't know. I thought if that's the case, no offense to the English squad, and I know Tonga. You know, have been strong, but probably need a little bit more on their spine. But let, let's be honest, it, it'd be like having Novak and Federer in their heyday playing earlier on in a tournament. Like, that, those two need to be on the opposite side of the draw. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read that. I, I have to have a look a bit further, and I don't want to go off too early. But when I saw that, I was like, surely that can't be the case. They can't be playing yeah. each other. And the only other thing I found interesting 
Wayne Bennett is certainly stirring the pot and Munster called a press conference yesterday to basically just reiterate that, you know, they haven't signed and they're not going. But, you know, I just find it interesting. I know he's, you know, probably just he is stirring the pot, but sure, the NRL have to come out and go, mate, you can't be talking about trying to get someone to break their contract or inducing the contract. And he's obviously got under the skin of the storm. He's done it with Penrith a bit and Brian Fletcher and a few others have, you know, come out and said he's treating us like a farm. But, you know, I, I think part of this is him doing that and a bit of mental warfare, but he should probably focus a little bit more on trying to get some players there because that squad's not looking the greatest at the moment. Yeah. So it's all well and good to throw some barbs and a lot of people go, no, he's just having some fun. But, yeah, I'd be more concerned about actually getting some players to the Dolphins. Bit of mental warfare. Yeah, oh, God bless him. But uh, like, it's all fun and games. But at the moment, uh, you know, Wallace and some of the guys that are going there. I think there's been a few solid signings. Tommy Gilbert, Marshall King, like I said, probably undervalued. But uh, overall, the few veterans from Melbourne and that, like, it's it'll set up a good culture. And I'm sure they have got people coming through. But I think year one maybe is not going to be the greatest. But year two, the signings of the off-contract guys as of next year, it's going to be critical. It's going to be really critical as to how this club goes moving forward. So I think I'd be spending less time trying to insight some of the top clubs and poke fun and spend more time on the phone to managers and watching players and trying to make sure I get the best guys to my club. Yeah. But looking at those teams, as you've said, New South Wales have stuck solid. Luttrell obviously ruled himself out. Whiten goes into... How did he rule himself out? I heard a few guys talking about this yesterday. I think people were saying that you can't do it after the whole Jamie Lyon. They set up a thing where you have to, you know, have to make yourself eligible. If not, you miss the week after. But, like, surely he could have just told Freddie, you know, don't pick me. Stick with them. I'm not ready. I don't know how that all works. But I think it was the right thing to do. He was good the other night. But I think after all the time out, what the club's done, where the team's at after the way the series has gone, like, I think it would have been a big ask. Not saying he couldn't do the job, but... Yeah, I think if I was South and you've put all that time into his rehab, he missed the final. Yeah, I, agree, I agree with that. But they've stuck with the centres. Haas is the big one um, between his two ankles, the shoulder. He's been ruled out. So Jordan McLean debuts straight up, starting in the front row. Yeah, well. Um, White and replaces uh, Nick. Regan Campbell-Gillard couldn't get a run. He's not in the 22. And because they've stuck solid with that, same 17, like I said last time, you look at the middle and you think it's going to be tougher. This time, like Talakai, surely, or some, someone's going to have to play more minutes in the middle this time around. Because McLean plays at only 40 at club. Like Haas, you know, you can go for long minutes, but McLean's a straight up and down 40-minute player. And Origin, we know, is quicker and a harder product. I'm not saying his form hasn't been good. He's certainly found his best form and good timing because, again, it's a contract year after a long stint up there where... He's been a bit underwhelming, but um, I think it's a big ask to bring him in. And, yeah, like I said, he's he stints there. You know, a couple of weeks there, he gets up near the 45-50, but for the most part, he's a 40-minute type. Um, it's, yeah, him and Jake. With Paulo, the only one now, you know, you're going to have to probably see Murray rolled in, rotation of the edges, Martin rolled in, sort of that thing we talked about where I don't like the back rowers constantly changing their edge combinations, but... He's going to have to because he's he's a middle short still, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I have to see how the final 18 pans out, won't we? We'll know that via sort of Sunday when we do our preview or Monday when we do our preview. But, mm. yeah, the, the, the way you've just described it there, yeah, he's going to potentially have some middle issues, definitely. Yeah, well, he's going to have to roll in Murray and roll in 
you know, Crichton either to play straight up in the middle or Talakai, like we said last time. He had the luxury with a result to hold him back and then put him on an edge, but he might have to give him 20 minutes straight up in the middle. Because um, if you're going in with one genuine prop and those two guys starting, you, you're certainly probably a, a genuine middle short. So you'll be relying on someone else who, who can do a job there, but obviously isn't a genuine middle. Um, but other than that, yeah, they stuck with the same side. The centres are there again. The dual hooker situation's there again. McLean, the only change, and obviously Whiten, 18th man, not brought back into the side, and Nico pushed out. Um, the extended squad, he brought Safidi back in, Jacob Safidi, that is, and Reese Robson was added this time for missing experience. But Queensland, no surprise. Billy Slater didn't want to get into the media side, said he'd stick solid. He's done the same. Uh, the only downside for them, obviously, is Felice Kafusi is on that indefinite leave for Melbourne, so he's not available. Nanai has been promoted to start in the second side, and his teammate, Tommy Gilbert, has been named in the 17. He's been in an outstanding form. He's on the bench. Whether that stays again or he has the temptation, as I've said during the series, to go for a flegler, I think with Gilbert you get you know a guy who can genuinely play a middle or edge, so he probably will stick with him. Uh, but Flegler has been promoted to 18th. Whether that's the case and they put Dearden back there for that cover, I don't know. But, yeah, he's stuck with Papali, who he's barely used. Gagai, no surprise he's stuck with him. And he's stuck with Torlagi, which I thought was the right thing to do. And the only other change in the 22, Oates is out of the extended squad, and he added Sam Walker in for the last game. So I'm not hinting at anything, but if Munster, by some miracle, wasn't available... Um, is there a possibility they go to Dearden or do you reckon they'd reach for Walker? Dearden. Yeah, and that's what I thought. But I looked at it and thought, this is interesting. He hasn't been there all series. Why game three? I know there's experience, but... Oh, I just think it's smart. I, th- I thought he played really, really well on Friday night. I think it's a good reward for the way that he's playing. Give him a sniff. He's, he's going to be there at some stage during his career, you would assume. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Walsh was obviously ruled out as well because of COVID um, and probably the other one I don't know if he's injured he limped on the weekend I thought he might have kept Oates in just in case but I guess Hammer can play multiple positions rather than just that but I, I don't like him on the wing I just don't think he suits the yardage game in particular in Origin Arena so yeah minimal changes probably the most interesting ones Nanai he's outstanding with the ball he can sniff out a kick he can jump on an opportunity but defensively so young I thought it was a little bit of a reach this series, having him in there, I know that Fafita only had one game back and I probably wouldn't have been reaching for him either, but I'm um, showing a lot of faith in the young man. Yeah, I would have picked Fafita. I just think you just let Fafita go for 20 minutes and do some damage. And I think probably the the virtuous thing to do or the, the right thing, perceived right thing to do was to pick Gilbert, but, you know, you trying to win a game like the is a very damaging player particularly if he's only going to get a 20 or 30 minute stint that's the way I would have gone yeah well, I guess like you said you could have maybe if you were going to go the other way around looking for an impact maybe given Gilbert or Nanai that role to start with and then rolled in for Fida for like a 30 minute period then rolled out again because <laughs> he's certainly shown uh, to be minimal in terms of the rotations with his middles like he's done Hooker changes constantly, but he's certainly been light on the middles. Papali's basically been given one stint and then some token minutes at the end if he's had an interchange left. First game, he didn't even put him back on. So I think that's the big one for me. They need more from the middle. I think Papali minimum has to get two stints in this game, like two quality stints and play his best football. He can't lean on those guys for 
long periods of time. I thought that really hurt last game. Like We know Carrigan and these guys can play big minutes, but in terms of being effective or holding on, especially after the bin period and that 20 minutes without the ball, you need more help in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it'll be more of a 50-50 up there in Queensland, um, and you'd expect it to be a much tighter game and them to be a lot more physical and better in that yardage game and better with their defense because we certainly busted them through the middle this time and our set starts were great. But, yeah, minimal changes for both teams and not far away from the decider. Can't wait. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Can't wait. Hopefully the weather sorts out what it's like up in Queensland. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it, it buggers off when we get a nice short track. Yeah, well, I haven't actually looked. They said East Coast, so I suppose they're, East Coast, yeah. they're on the East Coast. Raining up there as well. I don't know if they're getting as much, but something to look into. Uh, but a week away, hopefully things do clear up if it is raining up there. But yeah, we're, we're going to get a result. And I think the Felice situation is probably a little bit underrated for me. Just what he brings in terms of defensive cover, kick pressures and his aggression. There's a lot of stuff he does that probably goes unnoticed. So um, <clears throat> New South Wales wouldn't say would be overconfident, but I certainly think they should be confident. Agree. Yeah, agree. Based on what happened in Perth, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think that's but a again, game. you know, I thought Queensland would have taken a lot of confidence out of game one. Yeah, or well, that's the, it. The venue, the venue will be the beast, definitely. The crowd, the influence that has on the referee. And then just whether New South Wales can play that type of footy that they would want to play. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Or whether we get slowed up and it becomes, you know, a, a Dow sort of game. They, get, they certainly need to have plan B in New South Wales. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the media brought up that Slater won't engage because that's not his game and he's not going to make excuses or throw, you know, arrows out there. But the QRL head honcho certainly didn't hold back. Bruce Hatcher basically said we're not going to whinge like New South Wales did. So that was a, a roundabout way of doing the same thing about the referees this time around. Yeah. So interesting to see how that plays out, but hopefully we just get a good game. As a New South Welshman, never complaining that we've been winning the last few years, but I also don't really get a lot of joy when the game's sort of a blowout. The best part about an Origin is that tense feeling for 80 minutes when you know, you know, that the game's just on a knife's edge. It's been nice to have a couple of big wins the last few years, but certainly enjoyed game one, despite, you know, New South Wales being a little bit frustrating, having that feeling, you know, and that, that tense sort of nature about it again. It's it sort of lacked the last couple of years. Yeah. So hopefully we're up for a great decider. But I think that's about it for today, Box. It's good. Uh, good show. Back Wednesday, hopefully a bit less weirdness in the voice and not as many coughs. I thought I've controlled most of it pretty well. It's done good. Uh, and yeah, we'll come back and do a bit of a preview of the shortened round ahead, talk about any more news that pops up and gives our tips and predictions thanks to bluebet.com.au if you're going to have a bet with anyone do it with bluebet.com.au and also big thanks to the Penrith Solar Centre the power rankings will be brought back after this sort of period it's been pretty pointless with short rounds and origin affected but as I've said before we know that inflation's gone up we know cost of living has gone through the roof working for a retail supplier I don't think there's any better time or investment you could make than solar so there is no one better tackle your rising power bills Get in contact today with Jake and the crew, 1800 20 2930, or visit au because their bills are certainly not going to be coming down anytime soon. Um, probably the last bit here, uh, I said it a few weeks ago, Hijack, 
it's been pretty hard with the schedule now. Obviously, like you said, things for you have certainly ramped up. Uh, me having the Rona right now, we haven't been really, really getting together. So hopefully we'll be able to commentate some games at the back end of the year. But life happens. So that's something that sort of had to go into the back burner under the new circumstances. But we'll see how we go on the run home. Yeah, I've got three full-time jobs at the moment. So mm. trying to manage it all. That's it. Family, footy and school. Got to love it. Yeah. But uh, that'll wrap us up. Man, I'll talk to you later in the week, Boxhead. And for everybody for now, stay safe. Stay dry. Uh, if, if you are in any sort of danger and that you get any of those messages or you know something's coming your way, just evacuate. Um, please don't wait until it's too late. And if you have been, hopefully everything works out. Hopefully you're safe. And like I said, just really feeling for everyone who's gone through this, you know, three or four times in the last 18 months now. It hasn't been a great situation. Yep. But uh, we'll be back Wednesday for now. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.